AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. January soybean futures basically rejected trade under 13 bucks and decided it was okay to rally after five consecutive lower closes. That clearly lifted weight from corn and wheat, and prices drifted to the upside. Lean hogs gapped lower but rallied to fill the gap before prices followed the cattle complex back to the downside. Live from the downslope of this week via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, it's a conversation with Alan Brugler from Brugler Marketing. And directly following the news, Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now, here's the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. All right, Davis. Hey, thank you so much, buddy. You know, I stepped outside over the lunch hour to take in some of that sunshine that's out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm happy to report that when when the show is done today and I get a couple of extra things done, I'm going to be cleaning up the grill because we're grilling pork chops tonight. Atta boy! I did a pork loin last night, not on the yeah. grill, but I but I cooked it and ate it. It's yeah. really good. Yeah, delicious. Oh yeah. Of course. See, mm-hmm. that's why you sound smarter today. I feel smarter. They were actually on sale See? at at my local grocer there. Really? Uh, I I stocked up on pork just a little bit last night. I did. Did you? Did yep. you? Okay. Well, I'm going to have to check it out myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've, you know, I bought beef at the high. I would like to buy pork at the low to try to <laughs> okay. offset some of that. Yeah, you balance your portfolio that way. <laughs> exactly. Your meat folio. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. That is Davis. Hi. Uh, We've we've got an interesting conversation coming up with Alan Brugler from Brugler Marketing Service. Uh, a lot of ground to cover, and, and we'll get into cattle and the volatility in the cattle complex. And as a matter of fact, I want to talk to Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures about what's going on in this cattle market as well. Uh, that's right after the news. So let's go ahead and get started on that. Well, sure, Chip. Uh, buyers came back into the wheat market after mid-morning to extend gains. March soft red winter wheat futures opened slightly lower and fell through support at yesterday's low before recovering to close above 640 for the first time since August 28. China's recent purchases of U.S. SRW wheat is helping to support prices. USDA reported export sales of all U.S. wheat in the weekend of November 30. Totaled just over 356,000 metric tons in line with trade expectations 8% ahead of the four-week average sales pace. March HRW wheat futures 11 and one half cents higher, 667 and one half. March SRW wheat up eight and three quarter cents to 642 and a quarter. March spring wheat closed at 737 and a quarter, up six and three quarter cents. Chip, if wheat's not careful, it's going to have a demand story to tell. <laughs> and we're going we to talk about that. We're going to talk about that with Alan coming up here yeah. in just a little bit. So that November, the w- sales in the weekend of November 30, 356,000. They've got daily export sales announcements this week of more than 1 million metric tons. Mm-hmm. Well, corn export sales in the weekend of November 30 totaled 1.29 million metric tons. That was near the top end of trade expectations, but was down by one-third from the previous week. Japan stood at the top of the buyer's list. Yeah. And due to switching from unknown destinations, 
China was second on the list. Wow. Mexico and Colombia rounded out the list of corn buyers. Traders continue to watch South America growing conditions with many lower expectations for Brazil's 2024 corn harvest. March corn futures opened slightly lower, dipped through support at yesterday's low, then recovered to post a high-range close. March corn futures three and three-quarter cents higher, 488. May corn up three and three-quarters, 499 and one-half. July corn futures closed at 508. That's a four cents today. I was surprised to see China number two on that list of buyers. Now, it was because of switching, but still, China buying U.S. corn, that is noteworthy. Export sales of soybeans weekend of November 30 totaled 1.52 million metric tons, down 20% from the previous week, but that still lined up with trade expectations. China was at the top of the buyers list with Spain, the Netherlands, Japan, and Mexico, also buyers of U.S. soybeans. USDA this morning also announced the sale of 121,000 metric tons of beans for delivery to unknown destinations in the current marketing year. Private crop watchers are ratcheting downward expectations for the Brazilian bean crop, which helped keep some sellers out of the market today. The strong rally in soybean oil also helped support bean prices. Jan Bean Futures posted an outside trading day, low range open, high range close. Jan beans, 16 and one quarter cents higher, 1311 and three quarters. March beans up 14 and three quarter cents. 1330 and one quarter may beans 1344 and a quarter on the close that's up 14 and one quarter today january soybean oil today was up 179 points back up over 50 cents up to 51.13 january bean meal was down a dollar 70 406.80 so there was obviously some liquidation of the long meal short oil spreads Chip export sales of cotton in the weekend of November 30 totaled 116,400 metric tons. That's down 63% from the four-week average. But that did not stop a big-time upside recovery in today's market, with March futures at the highest close since October 31. March cotton was 284 points higher, baby, 82.59. And on your livestock's basically no export sales uh, of beef in the weekend of November 30. The tally was just 200 metric tons, Chip. Feb cattle opened slightly higher, tested resistance, and then fell back to post a new for the move low close. February fat cattle down a buck two and a half, one sixty two fifty two and a half. April futures down seventy two and a half cents to one sixty five ninety five. January feeders uh, down twelve and a half cents to two ten twenty seven and one half. And on the snout side, pork export sales in the neighborhood of twenty six thousand metric tons were up from the previous week, but still fourteen percent below the four week average. February hog futures down 152 and a half, 67, 77 and a half. The April contract off a buck 32 and a half to 74, 62 and one half chip. Yeah. All right. January feeders, actually January feeder cattle actually up 12 and a half cents. But get this mm. down modest to sharply in the back month contracts. August feeders down two dollars, 32 and a half cents at two thirty thirty. All right. Let's bring in Oliver Slope Blue Line Futures. How you doing, Oliver? I'm I'm doing uh, I'm doing I'm my heart's beating. We'll, we'll put it that way. I'm still alive, still kicking. <laughs> it's still taking nourishment. That's awesome. Good for you. Good for you. What's your take on cattle? Oh man, it has uh, just been an unforgiving market. Uh, certainly not not a normal market environment, and you can see that uh, on any metrics, or you could just look at a chart, whatever you prefer. Uh, you know, the sell off has been obviously extremely drastic, uh, especially here over the last several couple of weeks, uh, where it's just accelerated to the downside. It almost seems like algorithms are, are certainly playing more and more of a role in this. 
Um, looking at the, the overall volatility in this market, we saw the CME CVOL index spike up today and make new highs for the move um, at about 22.36, which is the highest level since September of 2021. So uh, what, what's different and weird about this time compared to September, the last big ball spike is that we've seen this volatility linger at the upper bounds for quite some time now where, you know, back then, even going back to COVID, it was really more of a spike, a pop and a drop involved. But now we're seeing it linger and you're obviously just tremendous amount of uncertainty. Uh, I did find it interesting, though, looking at uh, a couple other sentiment indicators. I know Ken Morrison put one out today. I think cattle is at uh, the bullish sentiment is at the lowest levels since covid um so you know usually when you get to these extreme levels and yep. volatility and uh low levels of bullish sentiment we can try to carve out a low but i tell you what if you don't have to have a dog in this fight you know being a spectator yep. and keeping some some powder dry is probably the best best thing to do dude that is exactly what i said yesterday well i said it in different words but we said the same things uh yeah sometimes uh, sometimes the best position is out of a market Oliver, good stuff. There you go. That's right. That's right. Good stuff, buddy. Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures, Alan Brugler, next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet and hashtag AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us. Uh, we are off and rolling. We're going to keep it going right now. Alan Brugler, Brugler Marketing Services. Alan, it's great to talk to you again. How are you? pretty good chip that uh, sun's shining and the sky's blue and it's 60 degrees in omaha in december that's uh that's an unusual combination love it love it love it absolutely it's uh and here it is december 7th wow love it all right uh yeah we're not quite that warm but we're awfully close still sitting here at 55 degrees in northeast iowa the the grill is coming out this evening for sure for sure um it's gonna have pork on it tonight but i want to start off talking about cattle and we just talked just heard from oliver slope about you know got his take on what's going on in here um alan i think some people are overcomplicating what's happening in the 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 uh, cattle complex uh what do you think I think it's real easy when you're we're seeing that kind of a slide to to uh, look for somebody to execute, you know, yeah. <laughs> who to blame. 
Uh, what we've got is is a combination of things. We do have an economic basis for it. We've got a, a lot more cattle on feed right now than we thought we were going to have six months ago due to all the heifers being on feed. Heifer ratio is over 40%. That's a near record high. And, uh, you know, the market wasn't set up for that many cattle being on feed. We're looking at where we were in the cattle cycle. I think fundamentally, we also have a, a, a little bit of pressure on the box beef side of things because uh, the consumer's getting squeezed a little bit. Uh, you know, the we've engineered high inflation over the last couple of years and uh, beef, an area they can downshift and go to that pork or that chicken. But, uh, you know, it it is being overcomplicated. The other thing is simply the funds were huge longs in cattle. They've been long for months. Uh, a lot of individual speculators have been big longs in cattle because you knew where you were on the cattle cycle. And uh, right now, everybody's heading for the door. Uh, the longs are saying, hey, I'm down. I want out while I still got some some money in my pocket. And the shorts are saying, I've been feeding the margin clerk for a year. I want yep. my money back. I'm not in any hurry to let you out. So, right. uh, yeah, you're getting these rallies, but then they're they're getting short stopped after two or three days, and another round of selling kicks in. Yep. I I continue out on social media. I see all the 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 give and take on whether or not there is an LRP insurance, livestock insurance impact or influence on what is going on and when we get the big down days um i don't i'm not going to claim to understand exactly how that would work have you got any thoughts on that well you know the 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 uh, accusation if you will is that the the uh, firms that are providing the LOP, lrp insurance are experiencing some huge downside risk and that they're selling futures to try and pass that off. Right. What we don't know is, is if they really are or to what degree they're hedging. Uh, we know that in crop insurance, most of the major crop insurers don't hedge. Okay. Right. They, they, they approach it strictly as an actuarial exercise. You know, we got to collect this much premium because we have a risk of this much loss and they generally don't hedge in the future. So uh, for them to do so on the LO. LRP program would be uh, a, a little different mode of, yeah. of emphasis. Uh, again, that may be happening, but I don't think that's the main factor here. I think right. it's more the funds saying, hey, this thing's going south. I want out. I'll get back in later. Uh, by the way, one thing I didn't mention earlier is mm -hmm. by moving those heifers forward, we really are setting up a, an extension of that decline in cattle numbers. January uh, USDA inventory report is going to show that we're still downsizing the herd. So, you know, we, we're at some point in the future, we're going to be looking at even tighter numbers than we have been. Yeah. Yeah. And all those heifers that are on feed, I, if I remember correctly, uh, they're only like one pound from hanging a record heifer carcass weight. Uh, they're putting a lot of beef on those heifers. Yeah, I believe that's correct. You know, corn prices have come down, although they're uh, the corn guys won't agree with this, but they're historically still high. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a feedlot guy, you're thinking that, and yeah, so you are putting some extra weight on them. In, interest rates are high, so again, uh, you're, you're trying to maximize the return per per animal, and I think that's adding to some carcass weight. We've also had fairly decent weather so far. Yeah, yeah, they seem to be performing well so far this fall and this winter and and yeah it 
it feels pretty good, no question about it. If you had, boy, this is completely unfair of me, but I'm going to ask it anyway, Alan. If you you had a crystal ball and could see into the future and see into the first quarter of 2024, what does this live cattle market look like? Uh, I, I think the market reaches a point where it's technically oversold, where where you just can't really push it any further down. You need to have some kind of support there. You know, the daily charts are set new life of contract lows, but if you look at the monthly continuation charts since this rally began, we haven't even seen a thirty eight percent retracement. You know, right. Fibonacci retracement. Yes, which is usually what it takes to get the winners out. That's around one hundred, I believe, one hundred fifty seven dollars off the top of my head. So. Uh, you know, that's probably the worst case scenario is you never find a place to stand until you get to that some kind of very oversold right. technical level. But but again, fundamentally, I think you you uh, you get some evidence that the economy's not killing us, that the consumer is willing to pay up for the beef. And then you, uh, you know, you, the, the technical structure of the market is set up to where it's easier to buy than to sell. And then it goes back up. Right, right. Yeah, when I checked that yesterday, and I hadn't thought about checking it for a while, uh, and I'll admit, I saw somebody had tweeted it out or X'd it out uh, that uh, uh, I think it was the February live cattle contract had already made had only made a twenty five percent retracement of the entire rally. I, I thought, oh my gosh, it, there's still blood to be let if that's if that's all the retracement we've made. So um, something that that we absolutely must pay attention to uh the choice graded heavyweight boxes today down buck 94 down to 288.62 this morning movement was good 107 and the movement is what i wanted to get to next here alan this is the amount of movement that we've seen here after thanksgiving and going into the christmas holiday this is some of the best beef movement i i at this time of the year, I think I can recall. Yeah, I, I think we have to be a little careful. There's a window there between Thanksgiving and, and uh, Christmas. And, you, you know, about 10 days before Christmas is when you start to see the switch over to the uh, to the turkey and the ham again yeah. for Christmas. So, yeah, this is, this is where you should see the movement. This is where you should see the retail clearances actually starting yeah. to on the beef side. So... Uh, I'll reserve judgment on it as okay. to whether it's a, a trend or just a blip. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, we've got time. Uh, let, let's let's move on to uh, uh, this wheat demand that has come into the market from China. What's what is your take on this? Well, Chinese had some uh, real wet conditions right around harvest, and and what that does to you, as you know, is you get uh, some sprouting damage, you get some vomitoxin issues from fu- various kinds of fusarium and other other uh, uh, maladies on the wheat. Uh, so they they had a lot of feed grade wheat, and uh, they lost some production altogether. And uh, wheat prices have come down. SRW is the cheapest class right now on an FOB basis, and it's actually com- fairly competitive with corn in China as well. If you look at you know Chinese uh, futures prices are in the 840, 850 area, uh, you know, and SRW got down uh, briefly into the fives. So, you know, that it made sense to replace some of that feed grade quality wheat with some good U.S. wheat. And again, U.S. SRW was competitive. 
And if they decide they don't need it for milling, they can they can probably make it pencil into feedlot. So yeah. this makes a lot of sense. And you know they could buy a little bit more yet, but after the rally in wheat this past week or so, that they're probably sitting there saying, "Give me a pullback." Yeah, Canada's been selling some higher protein spring wheat too, haven't they? I believe that's right. Yes, and and uh, you know their crop was a little bit smaller this year, but. Well, uh, they've got plenty of exports available. You, you saw in the last WASI report, USDA even bumped up the amount of wheat coming into the U.S. from Canada. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's just part of the game. Yeah, the point is, is that Russia is still a major, major supplier, but some of the other markets are starting to sneak in and get some business. I, I think Russia sold most of their cheap wheat, you know, that, and, and actually, you know, in your perfect world, that's how you'd like it to happen if you're trying to uh, limit their revenue, right? Let them flood the market, sell the, sell the bottom end of the market when their supplies start to tighten up and the price starts to bump back up a little bit globally, then, then you start to get some sales by the other origins. All right. Speaking of the USDA supply and demand report, we've got one coming our way tomorrow. When we come back, we are going to get to the expectations. Uh, Alan's going to help us prep for the supply and demand report. Alan Brugler, Brugler Marketing Services. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes, where March HRW wheat futures were 11 and one half cents higher, 667 and one half. March SRW wheat up eight and three quarter cents to 642 and one quarter. March corn futures were three and three quarter cents higher at 488. May corn up three and three quarter cents to 499 and one half. January soybean futures 16 and one quarter cents higher, 1311 and three quarters. March beans up 14 and three quarter cents to 1330 and one quarter. March cotton 284 points higher, 8259. On your livestock's February fat cattle down 102 and one half to 162.52 and a half. January feeders up 12 and a half cents to 21027 and one half. February lean hog futures off a buck 52 and a half to 6777 and one half. Try profarmer.com. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. AgriTalk. We are in the middle of a conversation with Alan Brugler from Brugler Marketing Services. Welcome back to AgriTalk. 
I'm Chip, and uh, we've we've covered a fair amount of ground already. Alan, I I wasn't going to say this on the air, but I I don't know why I wouldn't. During the break, I said to the guys, I said that was one of the most logical conversations on what's happening in the cattle complex that I've heard yet. So thank you for that. Well, uh, thank you for your uh, endorsement, and can we use that in a commercial? Sure, go ahead. It's not going to get you a long ways, but go you know go go right ahead. <laughs> And now we'll um, have the minutes from the Mutual Admiration Society. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Okay, um, let, let's talk about the supply and demand, the WASDE report, World Ag Supply and Demand Estimates report, coming from USDA. Where are your eyeballs going first tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock Central? Uh, probably the uh, South American production numbers, the USDA has a history of not changing the U.S. numbers much in that December report. They tend to wait for the grain stocks and the other, uh, the more expanded farmer survey data before they mess with ethanol production or livestock consumption or the, those types of variables. So that puts all all the focus on the exports and uh, by by indirect uh, what's production in South America. Uh, Conob came out today, and they did cut their their Brazilian numbers a little bit. USDA occasionally will follow Conob, so uh, that's that's kind of the first thing I'll be looking at tomorrow morning. Okay, uh, let's stay on the domestic side of the market here for a little bit. You you mentioned uh, the ethanol production. It, is there risk that that number could be whittled away at going forward? On ethanol production, I, yeah, I, I think we're doing okay right now. Ethanol okay. stocks are, are very manageable. The uh, margins are are okay. You know, we'd like to see obviously E15 mandated everywhere. That that would help volume quite a bit. But yeah. but uh, you know, we are seeing some hints that the that the EV uh, push is slowing down a little bit. The, the consumer who's got wants an EV has got an EV and the, they're starting to stack up in the dealer lots. So um, I'm, I'm not willing to kill off ethanol demand yet. Uh, there are some issues with the, with the uh, uh, RIN credits because of, you know, the renewable biodiesel is generating quite a few of those. And some of those are being applied against ethanol uh, requirements, which is what you're allowed to do. But, uh, Again, I, I don't see I don't see him cutting the ethanol number here. Okay, all right, very good. The other domestic issue that you mentioned was crush. It it, it for me it it's hard to imagine this crush number going backwards at all uh, in the months ahead. It, it, am I too optimistic? I, I assume you mean soybean crush. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Yes, they use that term sometimes for corn yeah, also. Right. Uh, on the soybean crush, no, I, I think you're right. Uh, you know, we've got two plants that have come online here, Shell Rock, and also uh, the one in North Dakota. Uh, so, you know, your your capacity on each of those is is another three or four million bushels a month. So, you should your year over year comparisons should should continue to run high. The the last official number there for uh, November was, uh, I believe, 201 million bushels for crush in one month. That was a new all time record. Yeah, I, I expect that you'll you'll see those numbers creep up. I'd, I'd caution people just to remember, though, that some months have 31 days and some only have 30. So mm -hmm. 
you you can see the crush number go backwards, but it's usually because yeah. there's one less processing day that month. Right, right, exactly. Okay, uh, then comes you. You mentioned the Conob number. Uh, is is the risk on the South American production estimates from USDA that they don't make a change at all, or would that really not surprise anybody? Uh, the veteran analysts would not be surprised if they left it unchanged. I, I think they they tend to take the attitude it's too early to tell. You know, they they they've got more acreage built into the cake for for this year, and Conob did not cut that. They're still saying, uh, I believe it's two point. Uh, uh, 2.8% more bean acreage this year in Brazil. So, uh, you know, USDA's probably not going to want to tweak that side. They they could ding the yield a little bit due to the 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 100 degree temps in Mato Grosso that and some of the early dryness. But but you also see that the the uh, rainy season has begun. You're starting to see more frequent showers in the north, and uh, we all know from the U.S. here that uh, you know be, bean yields are mostly set in August, not in May. So uh, you know, I think they're probably going to uh, take the uh, the conservative approach. Now, what would be a surprise is if they were to drop Brazil to say 158 or something. You know, yeah. go below Conob. I think that would really get the market excited. But yeah, uh, that's about all I got on that. Yeah. How bad of a situation have they got down there, Alan? Uh, you know, everybody's talking their position. Right. Sure. Uh, you know, the first of all, Brazil is a huge country yep. uh, and it's got north to south. There's a huge ver variety in weather. OK, you've you've had uh, too arguably too much rain in Rio Grande do Sul, Paraná, the, the southern states of uh, Paraguay is still getting blasted. But uh, as, as a farmer once pointed out to me, there's two hills for every valley, too. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, your lowlands getting flooded, but your 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 hills that are usually on the dry side are getting better moisture than usual. Uh, we have uh, trend line or above yields for the southern states and okay. Monte Grosso. We're nicking a little bit, but if you look historically, uh, their 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 yield for the whole state does not typically drop more than five or six percent from trend. Okay, okay, very good, very good. Um, in the note that you sent earlier, you said that you're working on a theme of northern versus southern hemisphere production cycles. What uh, what what are you learning from from that work? Well, I use I use wheat as the example. Okay? okay, if you look around the world, most of the world production is in the northern hemisphere. It's Canada, U.S., uh, Europe, you know, Russia, Kazakhstan, Ukraine. Uh, most of that global production is in the Northern Hemisphere. Yes, you get some out of Argentina and some out of Australia. But mm -hmm. uh, the point is it, uh, we've actually quantified that to say what's the, what's the global pile of wheat look like month to month. And then you, you, know, you add production, you subtract consumption. And basically for wheat, that, that, that peak is in, is in July and August. And then it gradually goes down all the way into next April and May. Well, the WASD numbers, you know, the ending stocks numbers are for next May, not for now. Uh, so, so what I'm saying is you've got a, the, one of the reasons the U.S. has had trouble exporting wheat other than the cheap Russian price is simply you're at the peak supply for the whole world in this, right. in this July, August, September window. 
And right. uh, I, I see it getting better going forward simply because the pile gets smaller. You get down into yeah. to March and April and the U.S. is, is competitive well, and has availability. You know, and, and that gets into the idea that we we always used to say that a, that you know, a 10% stocks to use ratio globally, globally, well, and, and even domestically, a 10% stocks to use ratio on corn was price friendly. Uh, but to get a stocks to use ratio on beans that was friendly, you had to get down to 6% because every six months you had a new crop coming to the market and importers could rely on it. You got to start thinking about corn like beans because of this production cycle now, don't we? Yeah, because if you, particularly because of the winter corn crop in Brazil, yeah. you know, it's become so much larger than it was five or 10 years ago that you, you're getting more of a two season uh, cycle there in, in the corn, like you've, you've had for some time in the beans. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. Thoughts on, I've been going down this path and it's been an interesting quick conversation. I don't leave a lot of time for it here, but I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on 2024 crop acres, corn and soybeans? Soy corn ratio says plant more beans, less corn. The uh, ending stocks, 2.1 billion in corn and 200 and change on beans. Say plant more beans, less corn. Uh, you know, you know, about the only thing that would it would uh, prevent a three or four million acre swing uh, from corn to beans, and not to mention the fact corn acreage was high last year historically. About the only thing to prevent it, I think, would be a, if we actually get a well documented problem with the this, that winter corn crop in Brazil, and all of a sudden we're getting signals that that we need a few more acres here. But uh, no, I'm I'm looking for for corn acreage that probably dropped to ninety or ninety one million next year. And, and most of that's going to show up in beans. All right. So 88, 89 on beans. 89 is what I'm using right now. Okay. 89 is what you're using. Um, neither one of those numbers really changes the market outlook though, does it? No. And you can, you can kind of see that in the way the spreads are built as far as old crop versus new crop too. The, you know, the, the market's anticipating some switching there. And, uh, you know, obviously fertilizer prices have come down. That's, that's uh, probably more beneficial to corn than to beans because corn's more you know, resource intensive that way. But uh, again, I, I think uh, the other thing, which is um, regardless of the economics, is crop rotation. Uh, you know, more than half of the farmers in the Midwest use, use a corn bean rotation alternating every other year. And, you know, they, they had maxed out on corn last year. That probably already stored more beans as well. Right, right. Yeah, and I keep hearing that uh, they're getting tired of dealing with the rootworms and, and need to rotate out of some corn. So could be right. Could be right. Great conversation, Alan. Thank you. Appreciate the invitation, Chip. You bet. Alan Brugler, Brugler Marketing Services here on AgriTalk. Okay, uh, yeah, up next, it's you and me, Davis. We are next here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. And welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory joins as well. Glad that you're here listening today, everybody. Chip, would you say that's a fair statement? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thrilled every day that, that uh, people decide to let us be a little bit of their day. For sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the holidays are upon us. As you probably have have figured out, oh yeah, um, you're okay. Spoiler alert: you're going to be out next week, right? You got a vacation week next week. I'm going to be out tomorrow afternoon. Okay, we've got some housekeeping to do. We do. Um, and before we careen headlong into our holiday musical selections, <laughs> the Agritalk Men of Song have discovered a new talent. They're super excited because not only is he the nephew of a well-known beloved i would even say entertainer but he's got a song out right now about corn and the guys about, thought about corn the guys thought you might like to hear it so uh the agritalk men of song are pleased to present cletus diamond singing december corn stay for just a while Stay and let me profit from you It's been so long I hardly knew you Standing in the bin door <laughs> Stay with me a while I only want to profit from you We've traveled halfway around the section To combine for ourselves again December corn <laughs> We danced until the rally Made a contract high A farmer weighing strategies From some new options play December corn I'm gonna turn a profit someday <laughs> December corn Oh, we danced until the rally Made a contract high A farm weighing strategies From some new options play December corn I'm gonna turn a profit someday <laughs> Yes, I'll turn a profit one day wow. Cletus Diamond, everyone. 
Not too with, shabby. With December corn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was they, well done. That's were, a, yeah. That that's a new addition to the AgriTalk Men of Song, isn't it? And I think a darn fine addition I think too. A darn fine addition. I'd like to hear a little more from Cletus <laughs> Diamond in the in the future. I wonder if we will or not. I don't know. Exactly. It's weird. Exactly. Yeah, weird. December is almost off the board. Almost off the board. I was saving it till the fourteenth, but you're going to yep. be gone. So uh, I figured that's what was going on. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yep. Wow. That was. Uh, hey, actually, um, Cletus was going to mm-hmm. save it until the 14th but instead well yes yes. little early release because i'm going to be gone i'm the gatekeeper (laughs) here so really you know but yeah Yeah. they were like no chip's got it we sort of he's cletus is a bit of a of a flory fan really yeah you know like the the swifties and the whatever we haven't quite named the flory fans yet but uh, cletus definitely is one but you tell cletus that chip says hi oh he'll be thrilled he'll be thrilled (laughs) music will come pouring forth from old cletus when he hears the dude i'm sure i'm sure (laughs) it's Um, always sad to see the d's contracts go it really is yeah it really is turn to the page yep yep all right but we did dance until the contract made a rally high, uh, until the rally made a contract high, which, That's uh, right. you know, we, we had some good times. It's all good. December corn. It's all good. December corn. Um, we're, we're seeing, Brugler made a couple of different points favoring more beans and less corn. He's at 89 million acres of Sounds beans. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Dude, that's a number that keeps popping up. Well, it, it, I backed away from that number, but those are mm-hmm. the numbers that, that Brian Grady gave us on tu- Tuesday. Tuesday, yep. Um, yeah, and, and you know, I'm still leaning up from that on corn and down from that on beans. That's that's where I'm, I'm – I'm, I've still got that lean, and a lot of it is because of agronomic reasons. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, guys, we're running the different weather scenarios right now on the balance sheets for the 24-25 marketing year. That's already getting started. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's something that, that we're going to continue to talk about. And, and you know, I, I mean, hey, before you know it, the March Perspective Planning's report will be here. There you go. That's the spirit. See, if you get yes. through deep, dark winter early, then you can get to a nice right. early spring. It's right That's around right. the corner. That's right. That's right. Okay, expectations for the U.S. carryover in tomorrow's yes, supply and demand report. USDA in November gave us a corn carryover for 2023-24 of 2.156. The average trade guess going into tomorrow, 2.152. Down very slightly. I don't even know why it would move. Mm -hmm. USDA November on soybeans, 245. The average trade guess going in, 243. I don't know why it would even move. Uh, USDA in November gave us a wheat carryover estimate. Of 684 million bushels, the average trade guess going into it, 684 million bushels. That one makes perfect sense to me. Those are all Reuters survey, Bloomberg survey on cotton carryover. Uh, USDA in November was 3.2 million bales. The average trade guess, 3.26 million bales. Hmm. There you go. Sounds like somebody's going to be unsurprised. Unsurprised, yeah. The big numbers, the big numbers that I'm going to be looking at, Mm got to go straight to the South American estimates. See if there's any moves there. It's it's like Alan said. Um, 
no change would be no surprise. But if all of a sudden USDA says, you know what, it's bad enough that we need to make a big move, yeah. then it'll catch the market's attention, no question about it. Yep. Uh, National Weather Service 6 to 10 day for December 13th through the 17th. Above normal temperatures expected over the Corn Belt. Below normal precipitation expected over most of the Corn Belt. Get into the near normal in Nebraska, Kansas, and parts of Iowa. Above normal temperatures expected December 15th through the 21st in the 8 to 14 day. Near normal to below normal temperatures. USDA report tomorrow on a free-for-all tomorrow morning.